0: Ladies and gents, I'm Lana. Joining me is South African-born Arthur Kemp, writer and owner of Austera Publications. Recently, the UN made the claim that Israel is just like apartheid South Africa, and my guest completely disagrees. He's a critic of both apartheid South Africa and Israel, but not for the reasons that you think, so stick around. Arthur Kemp, I had you on the show back in the summer of 2016 now. A lot has happened since then. Welcome back.
1: Thank you very much. I look forward to being on your show once again.
0: I urge people to go back and listen to that interview I did with Arthur two years ago. We get all into apartheid. And of course, South Africa has been in the international spotlight. Arthur was born in South Africa. He's South African and he lived in apartheid. But today we're going to talk about how the leftists in the UN are making the comparison that Israel is just like apartheid South Africa. And of course, you, Arthur, Completely disagree with this, and you're going to tell us why. But first, since there's so many lies about apartheid, let's get into the worst of apartheid before we get into the worst of Israel when we make our comparisons.
1: Well, there are lots and lots of lies about apartheid, but um, there's also lots of truth about it as well. So um, I, as, as I'm sure I mentioned to you before, I'm not a supporter of apartheid. Um, maybe I should just make that very clear from the beginning. And the reason why I'm not a supporter of apartheid is apart from the fact that it's uh, morally wrong to oppress anybody. Um, it's also, uh, it was also a very bad system for ensuring white survival because apartheid was old-fashioned white supremacism where you had whites, a tiny number of whites, no more than four or five million, ruling over tens of millions of blacks and using them as labor and then expecting them to be happy with physical, physical segregation in the urban areas and never having equal rights in the areas where the whites are supposed to be. And apartheid never created any type of white homogeneous society. It's a, it's a lie. It isn't true. Apartheid, all that apartheid did was create a fake outer white bubble But underneath it, all blacks did all the labor. They cleaned the houses. They uh, cut the lawns. They did all the building. Every building you see in all videos or pictures of of South Africa, every single building that you would think of in South Africa was built by blacks. And um, you cannot have a system where you are in a minority, where you use foreigners as labor, where you're going to survive over the long term. All of history tells you that that's a disaster. So I'm not a supporter of apartheid for those, for those reasons. However, what I can say about apartheid is this, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a thing which works when you try and explain it to black people, but there's no doubt that because of white rule, blacks in South Africa, in terms of physical uh, uh, things, were probably better off than what they were under black rule. Now, that doesn't work to justify it with black people because it's an axiomatic rule that everyone on earth would be would prefer to be misruled by themselves than to be ruled properly by someone else. So I fully accept that that isn't a rule. But let me just give you some examples of what I'm of what I'm talking about, in both senses about how apartheid was nonsense, and how uh, they did really quite quite well at at the local population. Everyone knows perhaps the most famous black area in South Africa is called Soweto. Uh, That's a a huge black residential area outside Johannesburg. Now, most people don't know the origin of Soweto. Um, Soweto uh, is most famous for the 1976 uprising, which is still celebrated as, as, as the great resistance, beginning of armed resistance to apartheid, which it wasn't really. But people don't know that apartheid, that Soweto, I beg your pardon, Soweto dates from the early apartheid times in fact Soweto was built under apartheid and it was built as a labour reservoir for Johannesburg um, there were only 7,000 houses for black people uh, in 1950 in that in that area but by 1952 the governments had a, the government's council for scientific and industrial research, the CSIR which I'll tell you about the CSIR later um, they drew up plan to make cheap housing, and they started building housing like crazy. By 1954, they built another 7,000 houses. By 1956, they, they, they built another 20,000. And by 1960, well over 25,000 houses had been built for blacks in that area. Um, they continue to build it, and people don't know. Today, Soweto is over 200 square kilometers big it's 77 square miles in size its a population today of over 1.2 million and all of that was built under apartheid was built by blacks under white rule uh, so uh, Soweto, it was only renamed it was only named Soweto in 1963 by the way it uh, was uh, amalgamated into what they called the southwestern townships but Soweto has the largest hospital built for blacks the largest hospital in the southern hemisphere in fact it's the 8th largest hospital in the world and that was built by the white government, by the apartheid government um, these are just some of the things uh, I we could, we could go into, we could go into how the black uh, infant mortality rate dropped dramatically under white rule, which is another good reason um, why apartheid was nonsense, because what uh, apartheid did was it allowed the black population to increase dramatically and overwhelm the whites. But the point was that these were all things which, which were done un, under apartheid. Um, as I said to you, I'm not justifying whatever else apartheid did, but those are some of, some of the stories, and I think the, the lesson of Soweto shows uh, what apartheid did and why it was doomed to failure at the same time.
0: Now, what about some of the accusations that uh, the whites were mass murdering blacks during apartheid, or you brought up Soweto, that uh, Soweto was napalmed? I mean, there's been some outrageous stories that they claim that South Africans did.
1: Any of yeah, it, Well, look, um, I served four years in the South African police in the uniform branch, and that included a spell in what was called Unit 19. And this would have been from 1984 to 1989 so uh, at the at the height of the state of emergency as it were um and yeah i i saw i and the south african police were on the front line of enforcing apartheid if you want to call it that or on, on the front line of of controlling black uh, black unrest both in terms of terrorism the anc's uh, armed campaign and also just in terms of controlling riots now, um, you, perhaps if I break down the actual numbers, this will, this will give you an idea of how much nonsense is spoken about uh, the apartheid because I, I served in something called Unit 19. Um, and those pictures you're seeing of be in uniform there all from Unit 19 days. The country was divided up into 18 units, 18 areas, geographic areas. Each area had a uh, unit which was, which was used for Right control, counterinsurgency, that type of thing, in that area. So the Western Cape had was Unit 1, Eastern Cape was Unit 3, so on and so forth. And the 19th unit was the mobile unit. In other words, it was stationed outside Pretoria, but it was deployed wherever in the country or on the border, wherever the unrest or uh, whatever whatever the problem was at that time was at its worst. So it was like a backup. Now, none of these units ever had more than 120 active men in them. So if you quickly work that out, that is 18 times 120 or 19 times 120, if you want to do it that way, you can see that that never amounted to more than 2,280 odd people, 2,280 odd policemen. And that was really on the front line. Whenever you see these videos of police shooting black protesters in in South Africa, that was all... that was all basically the the only a few thousand. Um, there were never more in total than sixty thousand policemen in all of South Africa, um, and more than half of them were black, of course, as well, which is the other the other peculiar thing. Um, a lot of those videos you was, I see on your screen now. That was after taken after uh, uh, the, at the time at which I served, because the uniforms are different. But um, the point being that that yes, I'm I'm going to tell you now that th- there were certainly um, nasty things done. I've got, I'm not going to hide that. I personally didn't do anything, but I certainly there were there was detention without trial. Um, there was there was uh, 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 hit squads. There, a lot of the things you hear about it about apartheid South Africa, a lot a lot of it is true. But I would say just probably, probably like most atrocity stories, they get exaggerated through time.
0: Yeah,
1: definitely. And um, I think that the, the things which are ascribed to white South Africa today, I would guess probably 60% are totally inaccurate, and of the remaining 40% probably a good another 20% is exaggerated.
0: Now, what do you think should have been the alternative to apartheid? What should have white South Africans done instead because they were trying to avoid what's happening now today in South Africa?
1: Yeah, that's right. Because white South Africans operated under the old idea of white supremacy that they could rule over blacks, the, the, the obvious solution never occurred to them. And the obvious solution was this, is that when in the, in the 1960s, when the ANC first started with its armed resistance campaign, um, when Mandela was arrested, uh, what they should have done then, they should have grabbed the ANC at that time, the leadership, and they would should have put them down around a table and said, OK, right, we understand that you don't want to be ruled by whites, and we understand that it's going to inevitably lead to a conflict, uh, which is going to be very costly, both in terms of lives and economy and all that type of thing, and they should have partitioned the country. They should have partitioned the country into an area where whites could have concentrated and formed the majority population, done their own work, and then they should have given the rest of the country over to the majority black population. That's what should have happened. If they'd done that, if they'd partitioned the country um Not only would the ANC have accepted that in the 1960s, because they were very weak at that stage of the game, um, I'm sure uh, a majority white country in South Africa would still be going today. That I've got no doubt. But it would have had to have been substantially smaller than what what South Africa's borders were. And, of course, the whites would never have accepted that.
0: Now, of course, this is still separatism, but you're talking about demographics, because as we spoke about last time, demographics is destiny. So the reason why they fell is because they were overwhelmed. They were a white minority surrounded by this massive uh, black population.
1: There are, of course, parallels, recent historic parallels for partition. If you look at Pakistan and India, for example, that was a partition carried out in 1947-48 under the British um, if you look at, even in, even in southern Africa, if you look at the country of Lesotho or the country of Swaziland or the country of Botswana, these were all countries which were partitioned away from the British colony of southern Africa uh, for ethnic homelands. The British created the country of Swaziland for the Swazi people. They created the country of Lesotho for the Sotho people. They created the country of Botswana for the Tswana people and so on. So there are recent historical parallels for this. And if the whites or the Afrikaners in particular had understood the implications of demographics, that's what they should have done 40, 50 years ago. And they would probably still have their own country now.
0: Now, right now, the UN released a report, as I said earlier, a lot of leftists are comparing uh, apartheid with the state of Israel. I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: Okay, there are parallels, but I would say as a general rule, Israel, it's an insult to apartheid to call Israel an apartheid state. Israel is a hundred times worse than anything apartheid's ever done, ever did, Um. For example, let me let me let me draw the most let me start at the at, at the very top. Israel's immigration law is for Jews only. Yep. It's it's its basic law says that only Jews have the right to immigrate to Israel and they decide who is a Jew. Um, so you can't even you can't even get into Israel by marrying a Jew. Uh, because the Orthodox Rabbinate, which controls the marriage process inside Israel, uh, decides that you're not legally a Jew. Let me give you a, a good example: um, Ivanka, uh, Donald Trump's daughter. Um, uh, she, her conversion to Judaism has been rejected by Israel. She can't immigrate to Israel. <laughs> um, just as one as one example, South Africa never had a law which restricted immigration by race. Israel, Israel's basic law is a restriction of immigration by race which they classify and we all know we I'm not going to get into the debate of whether Jews are a race or not there's more than enough genetic, genetic studies on that to show that they all share 70 plus percent genetic commonality. And I, I think and you, you
0: still have to do a DNA test to prove Jewish ancestry to get into Israel, right? Um, or right of return. They,
1: that's right. They brought that in because there were so many Russians <laughs> getting, getting into Israel by claiming that they had a great-great-great-great-great-grandpappy who was Jewish or something like that. So they actually brought in DNA tests to tests for Jewish haplogroups for these people. So yes, if, you try to, if you're a Jew, you claim to be a Jew, and you try to immigrate to, to Israel, they can and do subject you to DNA tests. Now, South Africa, of course, DNA didn't, wasn't wasn't in existence at that time. But South Africa never had such a system. Um, South Africa had a, what they called the Population Registration Act. And in terms of the Population Registration Act, they defined racial groups. But the racial groups, the racial definitions were, if if I if I say it myself, ridiculous. For example, they they um, the definition of a white person in South Africa. I'm going to read you the exact law from the population. Registration Act of 1950, a white person was defined as follows, quote, someone who in appearance is obviously a white person, who is generally not accepted as a colored person, or is generally accepted as a white person and is not in appearance obviously a white person. <laughs> can, can you believe that, that was – and those were the definitions they used for all the racial groups – So it was the most ridiculous definitions. And, of course, what happened, because they were ridiculous definitions, people appealed against them all the time, and there was an appeal process set up. So you could actually change your race, even in South Africa. And there were many, many uh, people of mixed ancestry who claimed that they were white. And because they were accepted as white by the community in which they lived, they were reclassified as white. So there was, to, to compare... Israel's uh, racial classification laws to South Africa's racial class- classification laws is completely false.
0: Now, did they have a uh, law in apartheid that uh, a white person couldn't marry a black person?
1: They did indeed. It was called the Immorality Act. No, there were there were two laws. There was there was a law called the Immorality Act which forbade sexual relations between the races and then there was something called the Prohibition of Mixed Marriages Act. Okay. Now, the, these acts did indeed uh, make it illegal to marry across across the country, and this this across the racial line, and this is a clear parallel with Israel. So yes, in that in in that sense, it was very 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 similar. However, of course, Israel does take this even a step further, because there was under the Mixed Marriages Act, Jews could marry non-Jews in South Africa, and many did. But in Israel, non-Jews can't marry Jews. So even in terms of the even in terms of the of the marriages uh, legislation, Israel is ten times m- m- more strict and more ridiculous than what South Africa could ever have accused of being. South Africa never forbid Jews from marrying non-Jews.
0: The other interesting thing is the, de- the deportations that are happening. Uh, how, how would you compare that? I mean, right now well, there are Africans being deported from Israel. They're shipping them up to Sweden and kicking them out, yes. throwing them in jail. How would you compare those things?
1: Well, of course, uh, South, Africa, um, South Africa eventually ended up building an electric fence along the Kruger National Park to stop illegal blacks coming in because there were so many blacks trying to break into this white racist hellhole um, to 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 get away from other black countries, um, so they eventually had to build a fence. But yes, the the South Africans deported illegal aliens. Uh, there's nothing wrong with deporting illegal aliens, um, but the South Africa did take in uh, refugees. Um, I can't think of it. There was a uh, Mozambican. There was a Mozambican pilot called Adriana Bomba who defected to South Africa? He was taken in as a refugee. I think that would have been in the 70s, late 70s. That would have happened. Um, but there weren't, there, wasn't the, the big fake refugee movement that you have today. Um, uh, so that 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 example isn't there. However, the fact that Israel is deporting or is get, getting rid of its its so-called refugees, and by the way, I I must agree with him on this. I think of course, yeah. Every, everyone's entitled to kick out these fake refugees. The whole thing's a hoax. Um, uh, no one has the right to flee 30, 40, 10, sorry, not 30, 40, 3, four countries to seek refuge. If you're being persecuted in your country, you've got the right of refuge in the first country, first safe country bordering the one you're fleeing. You can't go, oh, well, I'll pick and choose. I think I'll go to Denmark and get refuge there. That's just nonsense. There is, there, There are no real genuine refugees at all. Even the Syrians who are fleeing a genuine war um, they could flee to other parts of Syria. Um, there's absolutely no reason for for someone in in uh, from Damascus to flee to Germany and yeah. ask, ask for asylum. It's nonsense. So uh, I do support Israel's at stance on this, but um, and I, for that reason, there isn't really a parallel with with deporting deporting re- refugees. I think what there is, however, is Netanyahu's statement. Uh, He's on record as saying that they must expel all the Africans to preserve the Jewish identity of Israel. Um, As far as I know, there was never any statement like that ever made by (laughs) any white South African. Um, What they did say was that every group should have Mm self-determination. Self-determination was a word they used quite often. But if you look at the recent August... um, Was it August or July when Israel, the Israeli parliament, passed the Nation-State Bill, very recent piece of legislation in Israel? They specifically say in that bill that only Jews have the right to self-determination in Israel. (laughs) Now that, the white South Africans never said that. The yeah, and, African- and for
0: me, the big part is the hypocrisy. At least during apartheid, everything was open and honest. You have people who support, you know, staunch ethno-nationalism for Jews in Israel, even privately in Israel, while outwardly telling other nations that they need to be multicultural and they need to be diverse, right? I mean, that's a huge one oh, for me.
1: Oh, absolutely. That, uh, you can see, for example, the German Council of Jews, Ju- uh, Jewish Council of Germany, they were first to jump on the bandwagon and, and, and say that anyone who opposed refugees coming into Germany was a Nazi and was a terrible person and a dark shadow and blah, 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 blah. But meanwhile, they all support Israel and Israel is doing exactly the correct policy of kicking them all out. Um, so, yep, yeah, and of course, it's everywhere. It's in Britain and and, and America as well. The A.D.L. specialises in condemning Trump for his immigration policies, but they don't say a word about Israel's immigration policies. Imagine if Donald Trump stood up and said, uh, "Only white Europeans could now immigrate to America." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the A.D.L. would go mad. They would be jumping through the roof, and the S.P.R.C. would be on them, and who knows. There'd be court cases galore, whatever, but they all support Israel, and Israel's got a very restrictive racial immigration law, very restrictive racially-based refugee law. Of course, Israel does allow real refugees, and um, i.e. Jews fleeing. Um, uh, it's a well-known fact and that uh, whenever uh, Jew- Jewish crooks get caught out, they quickly flee to Israel and claim aliyah. That's why a lot of the uh, Jewish oligarchs from Israel all now. from Russia, all now live in Israel because they had a flee there. Um, But so Israel allows refugees on a racial basis. But everywhere else in the world, Jews are telling all white countries that they must take in refugees no matter where they come from.
0: Yeah. Now let's talk about the Palestinians and the treatment of that because there's such a cover up, of course, in the media (laughs) about this.
1: Well, that's right. Um, and this is in some interesting parallels with with um, South Africa. Um, South Africa, the white South Africans, uh, they didn't w- walk into the country and expel all the blacks. What happened was, if you look at the historical process, the whites arrived and first whites arrived in 1652. And by the time they didn't even meet any blacks, they 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 had a local uh, a Hottentot and Koi population, um, which was really small, um, and and they were nomads, as, right? And they were and they were nomads, and um, yeah, well, you know, under white under white rule, they quickly bred up their numbers, and um, there's a big Cape coloured population today, which is, which has its origin there, along with many uh, many blacks and and some whites as well, but. The point was that as the whites moved east, as they expanded from, from the Cape of Good Hope where they landed, they finally met the first black tribes along a river called the Fish River in what is called the Eastern Cape. Probably nearly nearly 800 or a thousand miles away from, from Cape Town, and um, that's how big big the gap was. And you, where you bear in mind, it was all done by ox in those days. That's that's a many many months um, uh, trekking. It's it's not it's not something that's done done quickly. And um, so, when and when they met the black tribes, they stopped. And in fact, where they met the black tribes became the uh, Koza tribe area of what, under apartheid, was called the Transkei and the Ciskei. So, in other words, where the blacks originally were, they didn't even expel them from those territories. The white South Africans, um, and this happened elsewhere in, in Zululand as well, which became KwaZulu Natal. Um, this happened in in other areas in the um, Orange Free State and the North and Eastern Transvaal as well, um, where where they met the blacks for the first time. They didn't expel them. What happened after that is they used the blacks as labour, and the black numbers then moved into what was the areas which were occupied by the whites to work for them, and that's where their numbers grew up. But the point being that wherever. Wherever the whites met the blacks and the blacks originally occupying the territory, the whites didn't expel them. They did expel them from areas in, in small, small numbers from areas where the whites were living, that's certainly true under apartheid, but they never expelled them from their original areas, their so called homelands. And um, to go back to the example of Lesotho and Swaziland, those were areas which were originally occupied by the Swazis, which the British gave independence to, or the Sotho, which the British gave independence to, and the areas occupied by the Koza originally, the white Afrikaners gave them independence as the Transcai and the Siscai under apartheid. But of course, because by that time it was being done by Afrikaners, it wasn't recognized. Now, the interesting parallel with Israel, of course, is that the Jews arrived in, in Palestine and simply physically expelled the Palestinians from the territory in which they were living. So, these, it's it, you cannot compare the creation of Israel, which the left does, to apartheid, or grand apartheid. Israel expelled the native population from their lands and seized it physically. And the the Palestinians call it the Nakba to this day. And the white South Africans never expelled the blacks from the original areas. So. It's completely false, and Israel is, is, is in terms, of, in terms of, of ethnic cleansing, Israel basically ethnically cleansed the Palestinians from Palestine, and the white South Africans never ethnically cleansed anybody. Exactly. In, fact, in fact, on the contrary, they, they let themselves be overrun yeah. through the misunderstanding of the, of, the, of, of the labor question. Now, Israel, not only have they ethnically cleansed the Palestinians – They also made a law saying that the Palestinians can never come back. Um, It's called the, uh, there's a number of laws they've got, the Absentee's Property Law, the Land Acquisition for Public Purposes Ordinance, the Land Acquisition uh, Act, uh, the Basic Law, Israel Lands, Israel Land Administration Law, uh, as it was reformed in in 2009, and so on and so forth. There's a huge number of laws in Israel which prevent Palestinians from coming back. And in fact, it's known it's one of the Palestinians' greatest, greatest demands is that the right to return. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, one of the one of the basic demands which they have, which Israel simply refuses to, to accept. And well, the white South Africans never did anything like that at all. They, they do have segregation in Israel. I don't know where where the uh, New York Times I think people claim they don't have segregation. They do have physical segregation. There's segregated buses, segregated schools, segregated towns. Um, every time, and it's obvious when you think about it, every time the Israeli government allow, announces a new a housing settlement building campaign in the West Bank, and so far I think there's nearly... I don't know, I think there's nearly... The 800,000 Jews now living in, in the West Bank, which is Palestinian territory, even in terms of the Oslo Accords, um, every time they build houses, you think they're building them for Palestinians. They're building them for Jews. This is Jews-only housing that the Israeli government is building in the West Bank. And um, these, when when apartheid South Africa gave independence to the black territories, that was it. They had no jurisdiction in that, that territory whatsoever. If those, and they did, uh, the if those black territories wanted to abolish, abolish uh, segregated sub, suburbs, which they did, they abolished them. If they wanted to allow mixed racial marriages, which they did, they abolished those laws. There were no apartheid laws inside the uh, independent black homelands inside South Africa, ironically.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, what gets me, yeah, you, you backed up, you explained how when the Europeans came to Africa, there was essentially no one there. So it's very different. You can't compare it to Israel when there was already people living there and they're saying, hey, by the way, this is ours now. We're gonna take it and call it Israel and you can't be here anymore. It's it's very different. But what gets me is that these um, there's a lot of South African Jews who say that it was wrong for Europeans to settle the land in Africa, but then they support it? this when <laughs> Jews are settling the land in what they're calling Israel. And these same people support ethnic nationalism for Jews in Israel, staunch ethno-nationalism, while turning around and saying that Europeans who didn't take the land from anyone, like Swedes who have been there forever, that it's wrong for them to do the same. Now, how does, this, how does this even get by? I, I don't understand how people can't see this blatant double standard, even some Jews themselves.
1: Uh, well, I, you, you have to draw the conclusion that, that, that it's completely deliberate. Yeah. Um, let, me, let me give you one, one really good example. Oh, I can give you, give you a, couple, a couple of good examples. Um, and they can relate directly to Nelson Mandela, for example, when Nelson Mandela was was arrested and he put on trial in the famous Rivonia uh, treason trial, um, every single so-called white who was arrested with him uh, was a Jew. I, you might or might you might or might not know that. Yes. Um, but one of them, one of the Jews, and I'm going to get his name in a in a second. Um, one of the one of the Jews was a veteran of the Israeli war. Against the um, uh, uh, to to found Israel, um, yeah. Uh, here we go. Arthur Goldreich was his name. I just just pulled up his name now. Arthur Goldreich was the Jew who worked with Nelson Mandela. He was arrested at uh, when they when the police raided the Rivonia farm outside Johannesburg. Um, he actually drew up the plan the revolution it was called operation mayubuye which was which was the the uh, the plan to physically seize south africa but arthur Goldreich, was a he was a member of the logistics committee of the anc's high command but he was a commander in the in the jewish igrun underground movement an authority on guerrilla guerrilla warfare he'd actually fought uh, the british Uh, for independence for Israel, and had taken part in the expulsions Mm. uh, of Palestinians from from, uh, Palestine. He then came to South Africa and sided with the blacks against the whites, Mm. complaining that the the South Africans were now evil and, and had racial laws and was a racist state. But he'd come from a racist state which he had helped create. It's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre.
0: Yeah, one would have to think it's deliberate at that point, exactly.
1: Yep. No, I've got I've got very little doubt that it is. I've got very very little doubt that it is. Um, there are there are okay. a number of, of, of other factors which I could probably mention quickly. Here. You know, Gaza the the Gaza Strip is now under its eleventh year of a legal blockade by Israel. Okay, legal blockade in terms of all international law, or whatever. It's got 2 million people, and it's the most densely populated territory on earth. There isn't a territory which is, which is more densely populated than, than Gaza. As I said, they've been, they've been under a blockade for 11 years. There are 2.7 million people living there, and more than three-quarters of them are refugees, are Palestinian refugees or descendants thereof, of people who are kicked out of what is today Israel. Um, it, there's a good reason for calling it an open-air concentration camp, and which it basically is. And the, to compare that to to white South Africa, when you look at Operation Cast Lead, when you look at um, the Israeli attacks upon upon Gaza, which happened again and again and again. In 2012, for example, there were 6,193 Israeli army raids. On, um, in the West Bank and Gaza, we, we think there are only 365 days in a year. So work that out as how many raids are taking place every day. It's just unbelievable. Um, there are there are there is just absolutely no parallel between between white South Africa's treatment of its black population and what Israel does to the Palestinians. During Operation Cast Lead, they, they used white phosphorus on Gaza. And um, white South Africans never, ever, and I was on the sharp end of, of the police services, as as I dis- as I discussed earlier. No ways would we ever have dreamed of doing such a thing. Uh, there was all sorts of restrictions upon white white policemen or not white policemen, policemen in general, and what they could or couldn't do to control riots in South Africa. Lethal force was used only in the most extreme of of um, circumstances, and. To, to to compare what Israel does to the Gaza Strip to what uh, White South Africa did in Soweto is just absurd to even begin to compare it. There is no comparison no. whatsoever.
0: And of course, you know, South Africa didn't get money from America to get lots of arms and start bombing a bunch of Africans in the area and help them take all the land. You know.
1: Okay, he has he has something else which you probably didn't know. Um, a lot of the South African arms, South Africa built up its own armaments uh, in- industry. It was called Arms Corps. A lot of the missile technology that white South Africa had came from Israel. Hmm. A, lot, a lot of the uh, uh, upper grade weapons came from Israel. A lot of the spare parts for South Africans' Mirage jets came from Israel. And most importantly of all, most importantly of all, and you can go and check this out, South Africa developed the atom bomb. South Africa had a number of atom bombs and a lot of the contributing technology, it was mostly done locally, but a lot of the contributing technology was provided by Israel. And there were Israeli nuclear physicists working alongside South African nuclear physicists in Pelendaba and the other nuclear research, nuclear weapons research projects situated around Pretoria. So Israel actually helped South Africa get nuclear weapons, and that—that that of course just gets swept under the under the rug nowadays. They pretend all oh, no, never happened or whatever. But that's that's the truth. No one says that about if if they want to condemn Israel for something, they should mention something something like that. But there's a peculiar blindness in among, amongst world world politicians as well. Um, there's a politician in Britain called uh, George Galloway. Um, uh, He's he's very far left, but his basic issue is that he expects the Jews in Israel and in Britain to be non-racist like he is. And of course, he's now discovering, along with Jeremy Corbyn, he's he's now discovering that Jews are non-racist when it comes to Gentiles and Gentile countries, but when it comes to Israel... (laughs) All that, all that vanishes. George Galloway spends his time running around out saying being pro-Palestinian and this stuff. I think he's married to a Palestinian now, I think. Um, but the point being that uh, Galloway in his younger days took part in the anti-apartheid movement. And he described in a uh, TV interview with, done with him a couple of years ago how he couldn't be anti-Jewish because when he went to South Africa... All of the Jews who helped him were helped who were he was doing some underground thing for the ANC. All the all the all the whites in, in Johannesburg who helped him were all Jews, so he can't be Jewish because <laughs> he was working with them. But the point was that this was at the height of when Israel was busy expelling all the Palestinians, where Israel was bringing all its in in all its racial laws. Where Israel and he, it just never occurred to him that Israel was doing things. In his eyes, twenty times worse than what the whites in South Africa were doing, but he just wasn't interested in in helping the Palestinians at that stage of the game. Oh, it's a it, it's a peculiar it's a peculiar blindness, and they will eventually all pay the price. Um, Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, it's interesting that the Jewish lobby in Britain is doing its absolute best to get Jeremy Corbyn taken out, um, and of course that's being um, financed by by. Um, Jewish Labour Party supporters who expect Britain and British people to be not to be racist and to welcome refugees and to be pro-immigration, but all that Jeremy Corbyn has done is he's expected Jews to uh, adopt that policy for Israel as well. And now, because he's said that that Israel is actually oppressing Palestinians, now he's the great Satan. Now he's anti-Semitic, and that's that's of course why they want to declare anti-zionism just an extension of anti-semitism and that is the official definition you now can't even criticize israel without being called anti-semitic
0: yeah trying to put the two together it should be made clear too that the only reason why leftists criticize israel is essentially because it's an ethno-state a state for jews There, there really is no other reason right
1: absolutely right absolutely right and of course, I'm not opposed to an ethno-state. I was going to ask
0: but, you about that. I mean, because you do no, support but, ethno states, so where should oh, Jews definitely. where should Jews go? What's the right way to go about this?
1: Well, i I support I support the Jewish right to self-determination. I support the Jewish right to an ethno-state. I think it's a really bad idea to create one in Palestine. To have created one in Palestine because its sparked off endless wars, uh, which together with the Jewish lobby's control of the U.S. and many Western governments has created all manner of chaos throughout the entire Middle East. I think um, personally that the Soviet Union had the correct idea. Um, in the 1920s, the Soviet Union attempted to create a Jewish ethno-state within the Soviet Union's borders called Berzodaban. If, if you look it up, you will see it still actually got, got a Jewish population there. Uh, that was the Soviet attempt to, to solve this the puzzle of what to do with with the Zionist nationalist Jews, and I think that's probably the 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 best thing to to, to do with to, to for a Jewish homeland at this stage of the game. Um, however, you know uh, there are now what seven, six, seven million Jews in Israel. There's, it's probably more more or less a de facto situation, and we probably have to deal deal with that that realistic fact as well. Uh, should anyone ever actually get around to attempting to deal with this question, I personally am not interested in dealing with it because I'm more interested in creating a European ethnostate.
0: Exactly, exactly. Why should we have to worry about it at all? It's really not our problem, <laughs> and we don't, we don't want to be paying for it either.
1: I feel I feel sorry for the Palestinians. I understand what what's going on. It must be really quite quite vicious, but I'm afraid I'm um, charity begins at home. I'm yeah. more interested in 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 looking after ensuring the survival of, of my people, once my people are, are have been ensured that, that they're not going to be exterminated, then maybe I can look at look at helping other people who are in trouble exactly. around the world. Exactly. But at, at this moment in time, it's not it's not my business where where the Jews have a homeland. Just on, on the subject of Jews, I'm actually busy writing a book on the topic at the moment. It's it's called The Fall of Jerusalem, uh, the origin of Jewish racism. Um, And it's going to look into the issue of what you mentioned earlier, the hypocrisy, the fact that Jews demand one set of principles for Gentiles and another set of principles for for themselves, Uh, where this has come from, where it goes back to, and how it can be solved. I decided to call it the fall of Jerusalem because uh, the issue goes back to the occupation to the the Roman-Jewish wars. Uh, that's probably when Jews first really became be, Im- impacted European society properly. And you can see this from the fact that non-Jews are called Gentiles. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but the word Gentiles, of course, comes from the Latin gens, which means nation or people, the gentiles. Um, and that's the reason why... It dates back from that time. That's why non-Jews are called Gentiles, because they're the other nations. So the world was divided up into Jews and Gens, Jews and other people, and that's where the word Gentile come from. And that, so it all it all uh, leads back to to the to the Roman Jewish Wars of 80-70, or 66 to 70. And so what the, my book will run uh, a historical parallel, very quick historical run up to the current situation and then try and explain why there is this hypocrisy and then also finally try and explain Jewish behavior, why they do appear to do this, because I don't believe in conspiracies per se. Um, but uh, it will explain why why they do behave this way and then also what, what can be done. And what the answer to what can be done is that those Jews who are genetically similar uh, should probably amalgamate out of the Jewish group, and those who simply cannot, for whatever psychological reasons they are, they should be um, allowed to go to a homeland where they're not going to offend everybody or all, all their neighbors.
0: You know, it's interesting, too, that the state of Israel is only made possible because of, well, Hitler <laughs> and the Germans, <laughs> you know, and so sometimes they get called the real Nazis. What do you think about that?
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm not sure that that Israel was was made possible because of because of Hitler. Okay. Um, okay. I think I think they've they've used used Hitler as an excuse to to do it. But okay. Israel was made Israel was made possible because the Jews decided to do that in 1897 uh, with the book of the first proper ethno state book that's ever been written called the Jewish State by um, Herzl, mm-hmm. and. Um, they the they held the first world Zionist Congress was held a few years later, and they decided then and there to colonize Palestine, and so the colonization of Palestine, the process to colonize Palestine, started much earlier. Um, it started much earlier than than, than the rise of Hitler. The
0: English, right? In the fact, English helped carve up the the land.
1: Well, no, not even that. Okay. The, the English promised to because. Palestine was at that stage under Turkish Ottoman rule was part of the Ottoman Empire and during World War 1 the British uh, were rolling up the Ottoman Empire from the Middle East and as they were as they were, were working through uh, Iraq uh, Jordan Syria these places as they were getting closer and closer to Palestine that was when the world Zionist uh, movement went to uh, Britain and they said if we get an in America into the war on your side, will you give us Palestine as a Jewish homeland? And that's the origin of the Balfour Declaration. There's a very good book on this called Great Britain, the Jews, and Palestine. Um, look it up. It's written by the world Zio- by a British Zionist in 1930s. Uh, we just we explains exactly how they got America to 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 come into the war on the Allies' side uh, in exchange for the the british promise to to give palestine to the jews and um, that was the balfour Declaration in 1917 um after the war the british government decided that perhaps this wasn't such a good idea after all because it would really uh, hack off all the arabs so the british then then didn't implement the uh, balfour declaration and that was when the jews got really cross with them and that's where that book great britain the jews and palestine comes from they said that um well, the Jews went through all this trouble to get American to their side on their side during World during the during World War One, and now that's being used as an anti-Semitic argument in Germany. So the British have caused anti-Semitism, and now they not even don't even want to help the Jews. And that's why the Jews eventually launched a guerrilla warfare campaign against the British in Palestine. Um, I'm sure you're aware of some 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 of those things. Yes. Um, I've I've got some pictures of of uh, the the Ygrin atrocities against British soldiers in Palestine, which I'm sure many listeners will be familiar with. Um, So it's not true. The British didn't carve it up. What happened was that the Jews waged a terrorist war against them using bombing, the King David Hotel bombing. They assassinated uh, British governor-generals. They assassinated United Nations officials. And then finally, Britain washed its hands of the whole thing, gave it over to the United Nations. And the United Nations then partitioned the country uh, into Jewish and a Palestinian state. Uh, But ever since then, uh, Israel has basically expanded its borders and taken over all of the Palestinian areas and kicked kicked all of them out. So the only, only Palestinian areas which remain now are nominally the West Bank and nominally Gaza. But not even in the West Bank is it all Palestinian, because sixty percent of 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 the of the West Bank is under direct Israeli military rule and it's effectively barred to uh, Palestinians.
0: Now, question more philosophical we have a lot of more christian conservatives who are coming over to listen to topics like ours and the israel issue is a real divider for people on the right uh, not amongst nationalists but amongst you know more of the american christian zionists uh, conservative they feel that the bible tells them they must support israel they must support jews so they basically turn a blind eye to anything that happens there uh, what would you say <laughs> to to some of those people i know there's not all christians that are supportive of it but how do you Reach
1: Christian Zionists. Well, I would just simply ask them one one question: Can they can they bring me a quote in the Bible where it says that we have to support Israel? That's it's quite simple. Um, the the Christian Zionist thing is is an interpretation which which um, people have given to um, passages in the Bible. But I've never seen a passage in the Bible that says the state of Israel has to be supported. At any cost, I've I've never seen any any anything at all. In fact, if you look at Christianity during Luther's time, or perhaps until the till the perhaps the early 1800s, uh, you would see that Christianity and um, prior prior to then there was nothing nothing like this at all. Uh, in fact, probably there was quite a substantial mutual hostility between uh, Jews and Christianity, to the point where a lot of the uh, Talmudic texts about about Gentiles in fact phrase them as Christians. A lot of the, the the rules forbidding interaction with Gentiles specifically talk about Christians rather than rather than Gentiles. So uh, that's what I do. Number number one, and then the second thing I do is then point out, well, this might even 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 if this isn't so, and I can't believe that it is, but even if it isn't so, when you look at what the Talmud says about Christians and what it says about Jesus. I can't believe anyone in their right mind would would think that that um, Judaism is sympathetic towards towards Christianity. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. And I think even today you can't proselytize as a Christian in Israel.
1: Oh no, absolutely. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's 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 a there's actually a very good story from a couple of years ago um, where a rabbi who stood for the UKIP party in um, in in the UK um, he. Uh, uh, burnt a Bible uh, on Twitter um, and he boasted about it saying that um, uh, uh, this was in 2017 and there's an article in the in the uh, times of Israel from there I'll, i am sure I'm sure we can pull up the link later um, and he actually boasted about uh, burning a Bible on on Twitter of course he wasn't prosecuted whereas of course it you burn a, a Quran or something like that, you'll get prosecuted very, very quickly. Um, but uh, there's, it's it's just very interesting that there is actually huge, tremendous hatred towards Christians in Israel. Uh, the spitting on of Christians is a well-known phenomenon there. Um, and yeah, I, I would I would tell tell a lot of a lot of uh, Christian Zionists just to just to have a look at that. And unfortunately, a lot of a lot of people don't base their, their worldviews no. views on. On facts, they base it on on gut, gut instincts.
0: Yeah, I always try and remind some of those uh, Christian Zionists too that they're against a lot of the filth coming out of Hollywood that's anti-Christian. Well, these same people are making that <laughs> garbage. So, well,
1: ab- yeah. absolutely, absolutely right. I mean, how many times haven't you haven't you seen uh, Hollywood movies and if, if the villain isn't isn't a German, someone speaking with a German <laughs> yeah. accent, if the villain isn't a German, then it's then it's some backward Yeehaw uh christian redneck um, exactly. i've never yet seen a a, a movie where where uh, a, a, a bible burning jew is is portrayed even when they bring out movies which deal with jews for example uh the wolf of, wolf of wall of wall street that was a movie which came out a couple of years ago uh manafort i think it was it was, was the jews name who swindled everyone on, on one of the biggest swindlers in wall street they used a Gentile act, actor to portray him. And he, he was portrayed as quite a, this likable rogue type character instead of this dreadful Leonardo DiCaprio, thieving, yeah. scound- <laughs> thieving scoundrel that he was. Yeah.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Well, Arthur, I think this is a good kind of crash course into the topic. And I, I thank you for all the, your work that you do and the knowledge that you provide. So if people want to find more of your stuff or help support you, tell them how they can do so.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, they can um, find... My book's at Astara Publications, astarapublications.com. That's probably the best way.
0: Well, it's always a pleasure, and we'll have to have you back again.
1: Thanks so much, Lana. Keep well ahead.
0: By the way, we just came across this clip at the EFF conference commenting on Trump and bringing attention to the Land Expropriation Without Compensation Act in South Africa. And considering that we just talked a little bit about Jewish influence in South Africa Make of this what you will. We know that the first response will be killing. They will kill us for that. There's a group of white right-wingers who are being trained by Jews in Pretoria to be snipers. Snipers. There's no white genocide here. It's an absolute rubbish to say there is white uh, genocide. There is black genocide in the USA. They are killing black people in the USA. There is black genocide here in South Africa. Black people are being killed all the time. There is no scientific evidence that points to any uh, white genocide in South Africa. It's not true. So much more we could say, but I think that this is a really good start for you to get in there and dig a little deeper. But speaking of South Africa, Trump recently tweeted that he's aware of the plight of white South African farmers and the attempts to steal their land without compensation, and he is keeping a watchful eye. While the theft, rape, brutal murder of babies and mothers and farmers continues in South Africa, the left continues to deny, 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 and even calls it a racist white supremacist conspiracy theory but what do you expect from ANC-supporting commies? This is far from over, yet a good parallel to what may come to your country if you do not speak up now. Thank you for all your support. We need it. We are independent, listener-supported, pro-European media, which is vital in these times. Sign up for a membership at redicemembers.com or send a donation. We have a variety of ways how you can do so. All the information is in the text below. We love you guys. Thank you for all the support. Much more coming up. See you in a couple days.